I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Uncover Your Magic. So excited for you to meet who I think is my friend because I've listened to her podcast for probably the last three years. And if you're one of my friends that I send podcasts to, I'm sure you know who it is. Her name's Melissa Monty. She is the host of Mind Love. And I remember when I met her, I mean, met her through her podcast, but it was before I had a podcast. So I was, I was every day. I think that would be the first podcast I would go to to see what guests she had on. And I always resonated with her and who she was interested in. But she's not only like spiritually, you know, seeking, but she's like a health hacker. <laughs> like she tries to find these like cool people to come on her podcast. And it, it's just so you always are going to learn so many different things. And I have, I know from her, but today I get to share her with you. And when I started getting to know her, I knew she had such a up and down roller coaster life when she was in her like early 20s, late teen years. And, you know, I look at my life and I always think, oh gosh, if I ever wrote a book or, you know, shared my roller coaster of my 20s, people would just be like, what the heck? I have experienced a lot. And I always tell the girls like, you know, the 20s are for growing and learning and dating other, you know, more boys and getting to understand who you really are and becoming independent and paying your rent and getting jobs. And so 20s is such a big pinnacle years of your life. So I really believe that when you hear Melissa's story of her 20s, you're going to be like, wow, it'll just make you look back at your life and say, huh, what did I experience? And what did I learn from? And who am I today because of what I went through in my 20s? Or, you know, even high school, I think of she had a traumatic experience when she was in 10th grade that we'll talk about. But yeah, just look, you know, when you reflect back on your life, especially if you're raising kids and, you know, their childhood and you know, what they're, how you're parenting them and what you're giving them and what you're making them learn from their own lessons and mistakes. You know, it just kind of, for me as a mom, I always look at, you know, am I creating an independent woman? Am I creating girls that know how to stand up for themselves, who have values, who can get out in the world and if they make a mistake, learn from it and just be be strong and these independent women and you're just going to love Melissa but i want to i want to tell you about her a little bit before we get going 
Melissa Monti is one of today's influential and thought-provoking explorers of the mindset and positive energy. She's known for her ability to educe and explain complex ideas with humor and clarity in a way that deeply connects with a wide audience. On her popular heartfelt podcast, Mind Love, she discusses mindset shifts, energy frequencies, and modern mindfulness through raw stories, personal experience, and inspiring interviews. Melissa's ability to connect with her audience is largely due to what some call an extreme amount of life experience. She was a victim of sexual assault twice. She suffered the loss of a close friend by suicide, and she lost a parent from lymphoma. For 10 years, she was consumed by a dangerous eating disorder that led to chronic intestinal damage, both of which she overcame against the odds. And she was emotionally trapped in a manipulative relationship with a sociopath that ultimately landed her in jail for someone else's crime. Melissa is a certified yoga teacher and Reiki healer. She also is certified in accelerated free fall skydiving, and she's a student of meditation and mindfulness practices. She's now lives in Big Bear with her husband, with a little boy, and she's pregnant now with another boy. And I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. But, you know, she just brings to me, you know, I'm, I focus on my guests each time before I start the recording, you know, before I start, I meet them on Zoom. And it made me really look at my life. And I think you're going to look back at your life and realize sometimes, you know, these like, low moments, and we can all find low moments, are the biggest turning points, the shifts that really opened your eyes to, there's got to be something more. There's got to be this whole journey that we're on on this planet, like every day is learning and growing and expanding and living in the moment. And she does that. And she is, you know, a new mom and fun to see her as that because at the beginning, I don't even think she was married when I when I started listening to her. So it's been fun following her life. And now I get to meet her in person and introduce you to her. And pretty soon you will be following her podcast as well, like I am. So let us bring this beautiful Melissa Monty on the show. Welcome, Melissa. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, you're so welcome. And as I told you before we hit record, you've been in my ear for the last three years from Mind Love. And I've sent your, your, you'd be one of the, you know, when you hit your library, it'd come up, it come, those certain ones come up. It would say, there's Mind Love. Let's see what, who Melissa has on this week. And, you know, I learned a lot. I think back even in like in 2020, 2020 is when I started my podcast. But, you know, when we were just hanging out <laughs> and doing yes. nothing and I really, really dove in and I, I remember sending yours to, I mean, all my, my tribe. And then when I started my podcast, you were one that I would go to, to, to see who you, you know, like you were one of my mentors and I mean, you don't even know it. You would be the one that I would, you know, the, the Paul Seligs, the, you know, Gary Bodley, you know, we were both in, in his classes and I used to hear your voice ask questions. I'm like, that's Melissa. I just know your voice, you know? <laughs> But we I, we have similar interests. But you know what I love about you is that the way you were raised, the things that you went through. My 20s were a joke. Like if I wrote a book and if my kids read it, they'd be like, what? You did that? <laughs> you know, but you're so real and open. And that's what I think is such a draw to you is that 
You're just that there's nothing holding back. You're real. You're going through like, I know you've stopped drinking, which is amazing. And I think people are so, you're just relatable and it's so refreshing. And I really love everything that you talk about, who you interview, but I don't think, I know you've told your story so many times, but it's always a good story. (laughs) And it's one that I feel needs to be told to the detail before we get into like deeper things. Are you good? Okay. (laughs) Before we go into things that I love, can't wait to ask you, but I want you to go back because I have a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old, two girls, and I know you have a boy and another boy on the way. So you're going to be the boy mom and I'm the girl mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have... I'm going to have my hands full. It's definitely been a trip even just with one. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so fun. Oh, you're just in the best time of your life. I look look at those pictures of you and, oh, I just think you do know that, right? You do like cherish every second. I know that you do. Yeah. People keep kicking me back into the present moment. (laughs) Whenever I feel like I'm overwhelmed, people are like, well, these are going to be the days that you're going to look back on. And so, I try to remember that anyways, because even some of my, what I thought were my worst times, there's still the days I look back on and I'm like, I didn't realize that was simple. (laughs) I didn't realize that I was the one stressing myself out rather than life stressing me out. And so really that present moment is where the peace and the healing is because 99% of the time, the stress is just coming from whatever I'm creating in my mind. Right. Totally. Isn't that freeing to know that? Yes, it is. So good, especially as a new mom. You know, I knew you before you had your kids. So I was, when you got pregnant, I go, gosh, I can't wait to see her as a mom (laughs) and to see how you handle it because you're so independent, you know, into your routine and into your reading. And you're always, you're like a truth seeker. You know, you have like, you're you're on this mission. I thought, well, she has these babies. Like, how is that going to work? Okay, so let's let's go. We could keep doing that, but I really want to come back to your story because it is blows my mind. And I think when I was listening to it, it made me reflect on my in my twenties or you know my kids now were at the age where you were when the things were starting to like come to the head. I don't know, <laughs> but I started thinking. It made me reflect on you know what did I learn from my experiences and what I welcomed into my life and <laughs> and where are those limiting beliefs now? And what have I grown from? And how have I expanded my thinking? And who have I brought into my life now, like my marriage? You know, and I can't wait to ask you about yours, but let's go back to what, 10th grade? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was 10th <laughs> grade, actually. Before 10th grade, my life was pretty basic. You know, it was a good life. I had good parents, the worst thing or the the biggest hardship maybe I had gone through was my parents divorcing when I was really young, but it happened so young that it was all I really knew. I was lucky enough to have an amazing stepdad. And, and so I just was surrounded by love. I was an independent child, really driven. And so I just looked at life as like kind of building up skills and following the path that, that people set out for me. And then Sophomore year of high school hit, and that was my first sexual assault, and I did not know how to deal with it. And so I just sort of stuffed it away and was like, I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm not going to let this negatively affect my life. I don't understand why people do that. 
what I didn't realize was that just because I'm not addressing it doesn't mean it's going away. And so after that, I was sexually assaulted again. I ended up losing one of my best friends to suicide. And then my dad was diagnosed with cancer and he died my first year in in college. Well, just the beginning of my second year. And so I was still just kind of putting on strength and trying to go to the next step and and trying not to let it affect me. But it was, and it was it was really deeply affecting all of my life decisions because what I didn't see was that it was affecting my self-worth, what I believed about life, what I believed about myself, what I believed was possible. And so it went from anything is possible to life sucks and I just need to get through it, you know? And right. and how am I going to not feel all of the things that I'm going through, which led to binge drinking and I developed a really severe eating disorder. And so all of this stuff was going on and I was just sort of making life decisions. I was a runner, so in multiple ways, an actual runner, but also if something got hard, it was almost easier just to like leave that friendship group or leave the city or move away. And so I ended up moving to Texas for a while and then I was moving back and I had plans to move back to San Diego, but I ended up meeting this guy and he seemed too good to be true. He gave me this diamond ring with all these other gemstones on it on our very first date. And we were staying in these five-star resorts every night. And he would just like, we'd just go to a store and he'd be like, oh, you want that? And he'd just buy it for me. And I'm like, what is this? I've never lived (laughs) like this before. And turned out when something seems too good to be true, it often is. Yep, my dad always said that. (laughs) Over the next year, I ended up finding out one thing at a time. And so when I first met him, his dad died that weekend. And so I was determined to love him the way I felt like I needed to be loved during that time. And when my dad had passed, yes, grades slipped and decisions were bad. And I heard a lot of you need to get over this eventually. And, or why aren't you over this yet? Or come on, you have to be up and ready to, for life now. And and I'm Mm -hmm. just like, not even really knowing, I didn't have that awareness of seeing how it was negatively impacting me. I just knew what I could handle and they were the decisions that I was making. And so I wanted to give him the same grace is how I looked at it. And so I was so laser focused on that that and seeing him through that filter and seeing all of his transgressions through that filter that I didn't actually see what was going on. And so he, I did find out he was cheating on me. And so then I saw everything through that lens, all of these weird behaviors. Turns out he was actually addicted to meth. He was also addicted to gambling. He was also an alcoholic, which was fine with me because I was drinking too much at that time as well. And Then I eventually found out that he was secretly robbing houses. And so a lot of the stuff that he had wasn't, was actually stolen stuff. But I could get into the details of why it was so believable. The fact that he had like hundreds of pieces of this one kind of like gaudy jewelry. You can't just steal that from one house. (laughs) You know, he was selling it online. Who sells stolen stuff online? So I just did not have this on my radar at all. And long story short, I ended up being arrested with him. And he had all of this stolen goods in the the trunk. And I just remember thinking like we were getting pulled over for some traffic violation. And then they made us get out of the car. And I watched them open up the trunk. And he had cases of jewelry, which was normal. But what I didn't see was this big fabric bag full of 
lockboxes from homes. And so he had used to do real estate with his dad and so, or loans or something like that. And so he had access to what was called the MLS reports. And those in real estate know that that's what realtors access to see like, okay, well, this person doesn't live in the home anymore. It's available for showing that this is how you get in. This person works from nine to five, but they do live in the home. And so he was able to see like, well, they live there. They probably have their jewelry there and they're not home at this time. And so he'd just drive his Mercedes Benz and he was dressed very nice and he'd walk up and clip the lockbox and then just sort of jimmy out the key with a screwdriver in his car and then walk in with the keys. And so because he was able to do this so discreetly, nobody ever called for suspicious behavior. So he was able to do it over and over again, yeah. which also means that once he got caught, it was kind of like the wet bandits from Home Alone where they did everything the same <laughs> and then they knew right. every single <laughs> house that he did. And and so I ended up going to uh, being arrested at that time as well and ending up in this jail cell with like 25 other women and deciding if I was going to call my mom who worked at a church and my stepdad who actually volunteered <laughs> at the police department because he was a retired police officer or if I was just going to ride it out. And so I decided to ride it out, waited to get out on my own recognizance. Um, and uh, and then I had to deal with that for the next few years. And I ended up paying for a lawyer out of my own pocket. He had like $50,000 to pay for a lawyer. And so mine never showed up to our trial. And our court dates. We didn't take it to trial. And so basically I was being coached by his lawyer and his mom. And those were the only people that were there with me. And they had it in their best interest to not go to trial because if we did go to trial, our cases were combined. So if I pushed for trial, he had to go. And that would mean he would get a minimum of 10 years in prison. And so they were trying to get him the best deal, which means if I take a deal as well, he can take a deal. And so I ended up taking a deal and getting a felony on my record at the age of 22 for something that I did not do. And at that moment, I just remember feeling like my life was ruined. I was always the kid. I loved video games growing up, like Super Mario and stuff. And if I lost like a life too early, I would just press the reset button so right. that I could just go in with full life force. And I just remember thinking... There's no way to press the reset button on this. This is a mark on my record forever. This is going to be there for every rental application, job application, loan. I can't even go to Australia because, <laughs> yeah. Really? I, I need to get it expunged, which I actually can do at this point. And that's that's one of our goals for next year. But yeah, I'm not allowed to go to Australia, which I found out at the gate when I was trying to go to Australia and no <laughs> realizing way. they're like, oh, you're being flagged. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so, uh, huh. yeah, it, it affects a lot of different areas. And and so I had a lot of decisions to make at that point. And I did move away to LA to get away from him. He still followed me and harassed me for a couple of years, broke into my house when I was sleeping. I oh ended up having gosh. to move because my roommate was afraid. He threw a brick through my windshield. A lot of things happened. He'd just show up to where I was just to sort of intimidate me. And then finally, he ended up getting arrested for another string of robberies. And so I just remember at that moment feeling like, okay, I'm free and I need to do something with this. And and he can't follow me anymore. And so I made the choice to rebuild my life. And it was one decision at a time and I had to really see the limitations that I now had in my life and decide if I was going to see those as barriers so that I could not not 
create the life I've always dreamed of or if I was going to shift my perspective. And that's what I decided to do. And instead, I started using those limitations and trusting that everything happened for a reason. And so instead of seeing them as walls where I can't get through and I can't do these things, I started to look at them as guideposts steering me towards exactly where I'm meant to be, toward my higher purpose. And so when I saw that, then I realized, well, okay, well, I don't want to write this on two lines of a job application because (laughs) it's just too much to explain. And what do I do instead? And so I started teaching myself digital marketing and going deep into forums on how to create an online business. And and I really created my own little boot camp for a few years. At the time, I was still on Adderall. Maybe that's the one good time to wow. do it. Right. Wasn't sleeping a lot, just like diving into this knowledge. But I was able to create more than I thought was possible. I really believe if that hadn't happened, I probably would have, you know, been pretty happy with a well-paying job, working for somebody else's dream, but making money, whatever. But instead I was able to see like, what do I need and how do I create that? And how can I create value that other people need as well? And it was really my slingshot toward entrepreneurship is, was the worst thing that I thought ever happened to me ended up helping me or being the foundation for the best thing that ever happened. So that's my long <laughs> no, I just story. <laughs> but it does make you because I look back at my life and, you know, now raising kids and thinking, you know, their childhood and what I've created up till, you know, for 16 years for my oldest, you know, and what I've given them as limiting beliefs, what they've or have I protected them too much? You know, like, have they not fallen and figured out how to wake, get themselves up? You know, because I hear your story and I'm like, geez, like to even at 22, you know, go through all of that with this guy that you attracted, you know, it's it's all, you attracted this person. It's a mirror, right? Like what we've learned in our journey. And to think of, I mean, I know you believe in past lives and like, okay, well, you know, we came onto this earth together. We had this plan that you were going to do all this stuff to me. (laughs) So I learned how to deal with my, you know, get an, be an entrepreneur, you know, start this business, do my own thing, be independent. But it's just such a, it's a freeing feeling when you can look from a higher perspective, I think. And when I think of you and where you are now and what you've created, it just shows me that those moments that you took as guideposts, like the shining light that's going to lead me down this yellow brick road. What is it? What am I going to do? But you have that passion. You're just a truth seeker. You're going to push through it until you find the answer. That's the kind of person that you are. Don't you think? I do. And, and you know, I have to look at the same thing because, especially because of what I've gone through, I'm like, I do not want my child to follow in those footsteps or at least take the path, the longest path possible. <laughs> there was a shorter way to learn this. But I also have to trust that both for me and for my child that I ended up with the parents that I did for a reason. He ended up with me for a reason. What I don't know, I can't pass on. And maybe that's for him to figure out. Or maybe I figure out it out in 10 years and it's the perfect time for him to learn. And maybe I wouldn't have learned the lesson in the same way had somebody just tried to pass it down, right. pass down their own experience. And so I really do believe I had to learn this way. And when I look back at even my family history, there was a lot of trauma, especially on my dad's side, 
my dad was the oldest of eight children and and his dad killed his mom and committed suicide and blamed my dad for fighting back. And so he was an abusive, my dad's father was abusive and started first abused his wife and then my dad and then was going down the line of kids. And she had finally gotten the strength to ask for a divorce. And my dad actually became a championship wrestler to try to protect his family. And his dad clearly didn't like that. So I grew up as like the kid in the back of Narcotics Anonymous (laughs) classes, listening to people's crazy stories. And so you'd think that even that I would have learned a lesson earlier, but I still had to go through it myself. And so I think a couple of things happened. Number one, my that story, hearing all of that, knowing what my dad went through, it still didn't stop me from making some of the identical mistakes, like drinking too much or numbing out feelings. And also recognizing that I came in with ancestral trauma. I came in with things to heal. And so that creates even more motivation for me to decide, all right, am I going to let this continue to pass down or am I going to do whatever I can to stop this pattern here? And so, yes, my son will still have lessons to learn, but I'll also have made a significant amount of progress compared to those who came before me. Right. You know, I I look back at how I was raised and I think I have two sisters. I'm the oldest and, you know, it wasn't a lovely, I mean, it was lovely, but I mean, we, people would, where it was behind closed doors, you know, we had people dropping food off. We had no heat, you know, my mom drank and, you know, it was just like, it wasn't a healthy environment. And when I look at me and my sister's, changing that ancestral trauma. Like we decided that in this life, thank God. I mean, I look at both of them and we've all done that. Like, we're not going to repeat this. And it was almost an unconscious, you know, like where we just knew when we got married. I mean, I didn't get married till I was 36. And I was a truth seeker for my whole 20s. And as soon as I figured out, like I was done doing all my whatever. When I got my life, when I got my act together, you know, just reading books, going to seminars, you know, doing all this and going, when I do this, I'm going to do it right. And I'm not going to bring anything into this. And it's not that you're not bringing it in, but to having that awareness, like, oh, Ashley, here you go. You know, let's, and having that communication with my daughters and letting them, you know, it's just like the talks that we have. I never had that with my mom, (laughs) you know, like we're like, if people could hear us in the car, you know, like I just, that's, I'm so intentional with being an older parent and, you know, raising girls and, you know, with, with my husband and, you know, knowing what is important is worthiness sets in as a woman, you know, knowing, you know, in 10th grade with Paige, like just thinking of your story, like where was your worthiness when you allowed that? Not that you allowed it, but you attracted that into your life, right? Yeah. And, and, I know it's such a touchy subject because no one can ever say, oh, you attracted a rape or anything like that. But I can clearly see what I thought I deserved and it wasn't a lot. And so there's so many situations. And, you know, those are just two. With my binge drinking when I was in my 20s, the amount of situations where I woke up in and I don't know how I got there and I don't know how aware that person was. In the Me Too movement, it really made me reflect back on so many things of 
that I had gone through and and just like, well, in today's day and age, we would recognize that as a sexual assault or whatever. And And so from my youngest one to my oldest one, I can't say that I had no power. In all of those situations, there was something that if I had if I had that worthiness, there's something that I, I could have done that would have at least made it more difficult, <laughs> made me not right. such an easy target. And so, yeah, I totally agree that if I had understood my own worthiness, and I do remember my mom trying to teach me certain things, you know, the things like, like, oh, people are actually attracted to your confidence or <laughs> just yeah. the kind of little anecdotes that you hear. But I was never taught in a way that, that that actually penetrated. And I'm not sure that I can teach that, but I'm hoping I can. I'm hoping that I can model certain things. I, I, I see children that have this sense of self that I didn't have. And I'm thankful that right now we're in a time of raising kids that I think just collectively we have more wisdom and awareness around that, more tools to be able to teach those things. But it's definitely not something that I had. And so... I think at that time I even saw worthiness as as that being sexually wanted was one of the the keys to feeling worthy. That I got all of my worthiness from external validation. And when there was something that somebody talked down to me about, insulted me about, that wasn't just a problem with them. It was oh, well then I need to change this, you know? Right. And so any comment was something that was telling me what I needed to be. And what I learned later on, I think the biggest stepping stone to my own self-growth and something that I still have to remind myself is I have to check in every day and ask, well, who I am, who am I today? How have I changed from the last time I did this process? What do I really want? What lights me up day after day? Am, am I still in alignment with my business? Is there something that feels off or depleting? And so I'm constantly just reflecting my life and myself back to me to see, to kind of see the next step. And I think that's something that's been cultivated over years. And it's something that I still have to work on. It's going to be, it's always going to be a work in progress. Right. Because you're so, um, you know, you love your morning routine. You have, you do your meditation, you have your, you know, healthy coffee. And I've learned so much from the guests on Mind Love of what you've incorporated into your routine into your life and what, how you create, how you create in your life. So go through that with us, because I think you have, like, even just when you were talking in this other interview about, you know, having the, being the binge drinker that, you know, drinking alcohol and having that being part of your life, you know, and then saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stop. And now I'm going to read all these books on dopamine and sober, you know, sober living and all, you know, and I'm going to get them on my podcast because it's all, you know, it's just, but watching your, it's like your, I'm watching your podcast because I'm the listener and going, oh, this is where she's at learning. This is where she's opening up this part of her soul. You know, I just see, it's like, I've watched your journey go. And I think the part of you that is so cool is that you use everything, you put it into your life, you see if it works and you do it and and you see, you go to the deepest, (laughs) the deepest end to get the truth. Take it from there, Melissa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, when I was creating Mind Love, I remember 
feeling in a place where I had made a lot of positive shifts in my life. I was still binge drinking and partying too much and whatever, but it wasn't like it was before. It was it was more social rather than just like, this is what I need to do to survive because if I'm not doing this, then I'm thinking about something awful. (laughs) And so I, I felt good about life or I thought I did. But then when I'd be alone, I would feel that despair again, or I always just felt alone, I guess. There was this running theme through my life. I didn't really feel purposeful when I wasn't doing something. And so I knew that if I'm not comfortable being just on my own, by myself, with my thoughts, then there's something off. And so one of the things that I had identified was not feeling like I had a purpose. And I had a lot of things that I was good at, thankfully. I was always kind of proud of that about myself. But I also remember thinking, you know, some people just have that one thing. And so what they're supposed to do is clear. (laughs) I have no idea. Right. And so I finally went back to all the books I had read and and started doing the actual activities. Like when it said, here's a journaling question, instead of just going to the next chapter, I would write it out. And so I started taking courses as well on like finding purpose, just whoever could give me that wisdom. And and I remember aligning like, well, what are my values? And what does my perfect day look like? What do I like about my current job? And what do I dislike? What about all of my past jobs? And so I really got detailed about where I was at and what my life so far had taught me. Maybe even my deepest challenges and what I had, what the lessons were from those. And so I decided to figure out a purpose that incorporated all this stuff. Because like I said, if, if I really believe everything happens for a reason, then why am I neglecting these things? Why aren't they a part of what I'm doing? And I'm not saying that your hardships and your desires always have to be what, what you do for a living. But for me, I wanted that, you know, (laughs) I, I, I wanted that all in alignment with my whole life. And so I started to drill it down. Like, well, I don't like, I do like writing, but at that time in my life, I would get in my head too much or being on a a video, I could always kind of talk myself out of it, but I can talk forever. So it kind of drilled down the podcasting part of it. And I thought, well, I'm always reading these books. How can I incorporate what I'm learning? How can it also be my accountability and my growth and my mentorship? And so that gave me the idea of podcasting as well. And so the choice to become, to be a podcaster was very deliberate with all the things that I wanted in my life. And so now I kind of keep that going where it's like, if I'm working on something, then I just will make that a part of this journey and people can follow along if they if they want. And it, it's what helps make it really authentic. And, and it also keeps my curiosity going. And so for me, though, as somebody who was diagnosed with ADD, it's a label that I use or don't use depending on right. my mood. But it what is helpful is that there's a lot of things that you see online where it's like, okay, well, this is your 5 a.m. morning routine. And so people will try it and then it'll fall off after three weeks and, and then they'll feel like a failure. Like maybe they're not just, they're not cut out for success. What I've learned is that I need to switch it up. And so I'm constantly reevaluating like, okay, well, why am I feeling resistance towards this part of my morning routine? Well, what can I switch it out with? And so 
I keep the pillars. It's like, well, what do I need? I need mind, body, sleep. <laughs> the, <laughs> like, what are the things that I absolutely need in a day? And and then kind of my chill out, self-reflective time. And so depending on what I'm going through, right now I'm in I'm in a pretty deep meditation habit. I don't see that leaving anytime soon, but I was doing a certain kind of workout in the morning and now then I switched that for a while. Now that I'm six months pregnant, I'm kind of going to something a little bit lighter or going on walks more. And so I have the things that I need in my day that I know light me up, but I'm I am constantly evaluating it. And I also it's taken me a long time to get here and it's something I still have to work on, but I used to leave a lot of hardship on my future self. It was easier to leave the dishes or to stay up because I want to watch Bachelor in Paradise or whatever right. it is. But now, <laughs> especially having a kid, when it's time to go to bed, it's time to go to bed because I do not want to be tired. So I'm going to sleep in. I've I've already identified sleep is one of the most important right. things for me. And so... Do I want to wake up right before my child wakes up or do I want to have like a good hour or two to myself? And that has become a non-negotiable for me. So yeah, I used to wake up at 5 a.m. Right now I'm waking up at about 5.30 or 6 because of pregnancy and just needing more sleep. But I still go straight to meditation and get a little movement in, make my matcha latte. We'll either journal or I'll, I'll just sort of lay and and let creative thoughts flow, allow that same sort of self-reflection to come. And so one of the things that I have to do in order to maintain that is I spend a lot of time after I do something and it makes me feel good of almost basking in that feel-good feeling. Like, oh my gosh, that meditation was so good. And I think so many people will do it and maybe they will feel good and they'll semi-recognize it, but they don't give it enough space for it to really integrate into themselves. And so I do that with everything that I want to really create a habit. I'm like, how good do I feel today? And so with drinking, when I decided to stop drinking, there are still even sometimes, I'm like 450 days in now. And there's still sometimes, especially the holidays are coming and mulled wine was one of my favorite things. And I just went to a little Friendsgiving, somebody had mulled wine and I was looking at it. I was like, that does look just so good though. (laughs) I'm like, there's hot apple cider right next to it. That's going to be fine. Like if there's any chance, even just with a sip that I feel a little bit more hollow, disconnected, not connected to myself tomorrow. Was that worth it for what? A, a right. sip and stained teeth? Not really. Right. <laughs> so totally. I, I think it's the same concept of tracking your wins or like celebrating yes. what you've accomplished. And so I think incorporating that into even the small things, even the little choices, like good job, Melissa. Like you did that well. This feels so good. Remember this because that's what I have to call back to when I'm tempted. Right. You know what you were talking about when you love to go on a hike and you live in Big Bear now and you go and you take your shots of like turmeric or ginger and you're like, let's take a shot. Are you and your husband? And it is, it's like, I look back at my life when I was pregnant, like I didn't, I had my sparkling water and everything was fine. Like I didn't need to go to a party and like sit there and drool over. It was just the way it was, you know, it's just part of the, that's what you do. You don't drink when you're (laughs) pregnant. The way that you, your journey in that and finding the joy instead of bringing a thermos of wine to the sunset, you know, <laughs> yes. where you think the wine and the sunset have to go together, you just change that habit. It's all a habit. 
You know, it's all everything, right? And uncovering the need that's underneath. Like, I loved bringing wine on a sunset hike, right. <laughs> to be honest with you. And uh, then I asked myself, like, like actually being honest with what's happening in that moment. Well, what is it? Okay, you feel a little looser. Is that why I'm doing it? Not really, because you feel that for a brief second. And usually I end up drinking a little bit more. You feel a little bit more tired. You feel a little less energetic. Is that ever what I'm going for? Usually not. And right. so being honest with myself about those things, but then saying like, so what is it? It's it's some sort of little thing to celebrate it. Some sort of little thing. Does it need to be a drink? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Does it need to be as big? Like, like just asking these questions. And so the wellness shots are still something that we use quite often because it does. It makes it feel like it's fun. But instead, I'm actually nourishing my body instead of depleting it. And so with everything that I'm trying to kind of reroute a habit, I'm asking myself like, okay, well, what do I feel the surface level need is? Is that really what what it is? What's underneath that? What's underneath that? Can I fill this in a different way? Even if it's just like having something to sip on at night while I'm getting through this phase of rewriting some of these habits. And so, yeah, I drank a crap ton of tea for a really long time. <laughs> when I was first giving up alcohol, I... I know that I need to surround myself with almost like a a community or or just information overload. And so, I, yeah, I went through like six different books on the joys of being sober and what alcohol actually does to your body so that I couldn't lie to myself anymore. Right. I listened to podcasts around not drinking. I joined Facebook groups around it so that I was constantly surrounded by people talking about their journeys. And then I even spent more money in a month on non-alcoholic substitutes than I ever did on alcohol <laughs> because whatever, it's worth it, you know? <laughs> like, no, funny. And, and then after about probably 40 days, I didn't need those anymore. Like I don't, I'm not drawn toward non-alcoholic wine. It doesn't really taste the same to me, but it was really helpful for that first period of time. Right, right. And so whatever you need, and that's what takes the self-reflection is, is knowing what you need. And you don't need to know it right away. It, it just takes giving yourself that space and that stillness and then the curiosity and trusting that the answers that come when you ask a question that you've never thought to ask yourself is your internal wisdom and to take action on that because there's a reason that that's the first thought that came to mind when you asked this. And so try following that for a while. And I found that the more that I do that, the more I I feel that feedback come to me in real time. I don't need to stop my walk and say, okay, what do I need? I'm just like, wait, why do I feel this? Oh, it's that. Okay. Take a deep breath into it. And it's just like this constant kind of push and pull of guidance. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. I want to go talk about, I listened to podcast episode number one yesterday. And, you know, I, I haven't listened to mine because I just don't even want to hear mine. <laughs> like what? But um, it was just so, you know, like there's a uh, little Melissa, you know, starting her journey with this podcast and, you know, listening to the, what your intention was, what would be your advice to that girl? Like now that you have how many episodes that was in 2017. So here we are, how many years later, what would you, what would your advice be to her? You know, that's an interesting question because I'm proud of her. <laughs> you know, I think she had, she had everything that she needed. She had a drive and a curiosity and anything else that needed to be learned was learned along the way. And so 
one of the things that was really helpful is I did that process back then, the same process that I talked about with quitting drinking. I was at my rope's end. I was tired of not following through with little projects that I had started. I was tired of doubting myself and thinking that I couldn't do it. And so for those months before I started the podcast, the amount of times that I spent journaling, talking myself up, that I went back to every single accomplishment I had ever had mm. and sat there and and thought, well, oh yeah, that one time when I was on JV in high school and all of a sudden made a decision to do better and ended up being like the second best on varsity in one race, like those things. And then just sitting there and remembering how I felt. And then yes. I would take action. Uh. And then I'd feel the self-doubt. And I'm like, okay, well, when was another time that I felt so lifted up? And I would sit in it and then I would take the next step. And so anytime I felt that doubt creep in, I would do something else to make me feel in my power. And so I actually get advice from her more often now than I feel that I needed to give advice because oh, I then you kind of get caught in the in the day-to-day and it's like, oh, this next big thing, do I have it in me? And and I think, well, I've already done all those steps. I don't need to do it again. And then wonder why my goals are taking longer or why I'm feeling this way or why I'm doubting myself. I'm like, well, you knew back then because you had never felt like you accomplish something big in business like this. You knew that you had to take steps to rewire who you were. Why do you think that that's not continuously needed? Because we do have that negativity bias. We do have that tendency to start doubting ourselves if we're not doing everything we can to counteract that. And so, yeah, you know, I think she kind of had it had it together. That was one of the times that I felt most in my power. And especially having children now, it's something that I've had to go back to because I had a plan when I had my baby and I'm like, okay, yes, where can I give and take in my business? What's more important to me and and sort of prioritizing family more. But then all of a sudden being so in the mom mode that I stopped feeling like this successful business person anymore for a while and wondering, well, is this just not for me? And it's like, no, I don't need to go by how I feel right now what are my real goals? Like, what do I really want? What do I want to show my children? Who do I want to be? What legacy do I want to leave? If those things are all still true, then what do I need to do to get myself there rather than what do I feel I'm capable of right now? And so I've been spending a lot of time going back to those practices, going back to being super diligent with writing down goals and the steps that I need to take them there. And then, yeah, just anything that I can do to combat my own self-doubt. And so that's surrounding myself by with other successful people, joining masterminds, even if it's just Facebook groups of people that are doing well. So when I log in, I'm seeing that instead of the complaints of my aunt in Northern California. You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> right. so um, yeah, she had more to teach me, I think. Yeah, I love, oh, that's such a great way to look at that. I really love that. You were talking about the book, Mastery of Love <laughs> and how that affected you. And I love all of his books. I teach a child's class called Raising Confidence and I do the four agreements. We go through the four agreements and they're teenagers. And I've always thought that if, you know, raising kids, if I could teach, we used to read that in bed, like the four, I would teach the to my kids when they were, you know, would, I would read the four agreements. These are the things like you need to get this in your mind. But what, and then the mastery of love too, you know, relationships, you know, me finding a relationship later in my life, but knowing that I was going to attract the right person and I was, and I knew who I was. And I had read that book too, but tell me your take on why that affected you so much. 
there are layers to this. And the first part of it is, so that wasn't my very first self-help book. My dad actually used to pay me to write reports on these different books, like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. And yeah, and my mom was actually a part of she was a part of a multi-level marketing thing that didn't work out clearly. But <laughs> she, they had a book club and they'd send different self-help books as well. And so I was always interested in reading those. But it was at an age where there were certain things that really did kind of capture my mind, like mind over matter. I still to this day kind of think that I mind over mattered having asthma. Like one year I was like, I'm going to believe that I don't have this anymore and I'm going to start running. (laughs) And I did. And all of a sudden it stopped affecting me. It was so odd. But then all the trauma happened and I sort of forgot that. Yes, it, it did instill in me in a specific way, but it was one of those self-doubt moments where I'm like, oh, who was I to be foolish and think like, oh, these books are going to help me level up my life when life can just kind of crash you down. Well, the person who gave me Mastery of Love was that criminal that I dated. And on one hand, it was sort of one of the things that blinded me because I was like, oh, this is why he's so nonchalant, doesn't let things affect him and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) That turned out to be the mess. (laughs) But... uh, that was one of the things that helped me get my life together. I realized that I sort of was taking the teachings in that book. When I started to see him for what it was, I'm like, oh, that's just a facade for you, but thank you for at least giving this to me. And it made a big difference for me. Just, I mean, there's such simple teachings in the way Don Miguel Ruiz teaches and just things that you can take with you and remember, and it's not too detailed. And it's just like, oh, that has nothing to do with me or, oh, I'm taking something personally or, oh, I'm not having integrity with my words or or whatever it is. But the real magic of that whole situation is, like, there's still times. I was actually just on one of my friend's podcasts and the way, something about the way she kind of put together my story. I was listening to it back and I'm I'm not used to listening to it. I'm used to saying it and I I can say it in such a way. I was listening to it and it kind of got me choked up. And and sometimes Mm -hmm. I look at my past self and it seems like a whole different person. And so I was like in the kitchen listening to this and my husband walked in and I'm like tearing up and he's like, are you getting sad? Like listening to your own story. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just sometimes it hits me in a way where I'm like, I can't believe I really went through all that. And there have been times even where I've, even though I've done the work to see, okay, this was how this was meant for me and this is why I created this. And then it's like, am I really sure? Is that just a way to make myself feel better? Could I have been something big without going through all this, without wasting that much time while other people were building their lives and their savings accounts and all of that? And But there's something about the fact that the person who played a big role in my deepest rock bottom also sort of handed me the rope to get myself out of it, that it could choke me up right now. It was like a seed from the divine saying that was meant for you, like in every single way that was meant for you. And so if I'm ever feeling like sorry for myself or like doubting that this is how everything should have worked out or that I needed to take the hardest path, the fact that he gave me that book, he's just not even that kind of person. (laughs) I knew him long enough. And so why that little seed of magic right there 
is just really affirming for me. And so whenever I'm actually doubting my story or my path or, or whatever, anything, I actually think back to that book and just like, you know, you really can't question the plan, I suppose. Right. No. And I, you know, all the work we've done with, you know, people, similar teachers, you know, you, we need to, I always say, gosh, he came in on this earth with you to treat you like that. Like he, that's a, like, and then you see him when you in heaven or whatever. And after we pass away and you're looking at him like, wow, you did that for me. <laughs> you treated me like that so I could grow so much. You really you did that. You had to be a terrible person to yeah. aid in my journey. So thanks. <laughs> you did that all for me. Oh my yes. gosh. Look at look what I've done from that. Like, look where I've come, right? Yeah. Who's been your, like, your, a guest that you had on your show that you just, it was like a life changer? I would say Paul Selig. Paul Selig is just, I found his books before. I ever had him on my podcast and I just feel so grateful that now his team reaches out to me when he drops new books. It's just one of those, every time it happens, I'm like, I can't believe I get to do this. Wow. <laughs> so that's really exciting for me because I remember a lot of times his his books, I think his books call to those who are ready for the information because I have some friends who are on a spiritual path and they're just like, I can't even get into it. And I, I listened to another channeler who said, you know, a lot of times people will find different channelers with these messages and they're like, I don't know, I have a bad feeling about that one. Or and it's like, a, they feel like it's a judgment, but really it's a resistance. And, and that's fine. You don't need to force yourself into something that doesn't feel appealing. Right. Sometimes there's different voices that are going to attract different people. They can tell the same story in a way one tells it in one way, one tells it in another, and the energy of one is what you gravitate toward. And so I saw Paul Selig's book in my books and my recommendations forever. And his first book, I Am the Word, seemed like it was going to be too religious. So I kept passing it off. But then I had gone through all these other books and I'm like, why does this keep popping up? Like, number one, I have to read it or listen to it. And it ended up being one of those that I just could not get enough of. And I, I still feel that way about all of his books. And so yeah, to be able to have him, somebody like that, where it just does feel like they've got this direct access to source, which mm -hmm. we all have, but right. his is in such a, a unique way that whenever I'm feeling doubt in the magic of the universe and the divine, I'll just go back to his books and and kind of see it, it's a reminder where it's like, I, I can't doubt this. There's something about it that's just undoubtable for me. Right. And so, yeah, he's the one that gets me most most excited. But I will say, like I said before, I use my podcast as my own per personal growth tool. So if I'm going through something, then I specifically find those people. So almost everybody has had a pretty significant impact on my path because I called out to them when I needed them. Right. Yeah. I, I do it the same. I look at my podcast journey. I haven't done one every week. I haven't missed a week, but it's because I love it. You know, I, I'm so passionate, but it is, it is interesting to look back and to see where, how I'm growing, what, what's interesting me. You know, I, I get so focused, like just being with you, you know, like learning about you. I, it just lights me up. I just, I can't get enough of it. And then once we end, I feel like I have a new friend, you know, like yeah. this different relationship. I mean, it's not off. It's just, it fulfills me 
to have a conversation with someone that's like-minded and interesting and has this like passion for something that, you know, that they love so much. And I'm so interested in listening and learning from, but yes, I love it. But I want you to explain, because I don't know how you met your husband. Give us some tools on what you did even to, I mean, I have my single friends that, you know, I think of your life with your husband and how you met him and how that all that whole thing transpired and what you did to attract him to you. I was in a part of my life where I was becoming really intentional and I was trying to figure out who I was. I wanted to have boundaries, which I had never had before. I wanted to know what I liked rather than just what everyone else was doing. <laughs> so I had been going through a good amount of, again, books and kind of journaling activities and and whatever. And meeting him seemed serendipitous. I was not supposed to go to this party and neither was he. And it was actually up in Big Bear. He lived in Big Bear at the time and I did not. I was in LA. Well, that month, the job that paid me really well, but I was always partying with my boss, (laughs) that ended up closing down December 13th was the last day of work. And then I found out that my landlord was selling our apartment. And I was just saying to people how I loved my roommate so much. I loved where I lived and we're probably going to be there for a long time, which I had not done before. I was, I would move quite a bit. And then we found out she was selling the place and we had to leave. And so all of a sudden my life is just kind of upheaved. And at that time though, I had a lot of trust in the universe. I remember thinking like, well, this is not the worst that's ever happened to me. And what year everything is this? else, what 2013. Year? Oh, okay. And everything else was, ended up turning out for the best. So how can I trust that this is too? And I did have money and savings and everything. And so last minute I decided to go to Big Bear for Christmas, Christmas Eve, because I had to move out. It was too difficult to go back to family. And so the fact that my landlord was selling our place actually created the conditions for which I stayed in order to go to this party. And then something happened. He was supposed to hang out with his sister and last minute fell through and he showed up too. And we tried to be friends for a couple of weeks. We just hit it off our personalities immediately. And then we couldn't really deny the attraction. (laughs) So it was one of those things where we were just like, you know, I'd rather have you in my life. So far, none of my relationships have worked out. So let's try to be friends. And yeah, then we just realized we had everything in common. We he was reading Rhonda Byrne, I think, The Power, oh. the second book. And I could bond over that. And then he was in the web space and I knew marketing and I knew a good am- about, amount about web as well. And so we'd just stay up all night like talking. And and so, yeah, we ended up deciding fairly quickly that we wanted to get married. We were married within a year, well, a year and a half with the planning and everything. But for somebody who is, I'm a little bit older than him, I was 29 at the time. He was like 27. That was a big step to take. And so, yeah. but it just felt different. And we, we knew that we were the ones. And so I don't know if I would have met him if I wouldn't have been so solid in who I was. And I hesitated right there just because I was way less solid in who I was back then. But I don't think it takes a lot. You know, people think like, oh, I have so much work to do. It really just takes an intention and starting. And you'll be surprised at how different you feel just by taking a few of those steps forward. And so one of the things that I think that helps our relationship is that we're always constantly growing. We both have this curiosity. When we fight, 
our first instinct isn't like, I'm, well, maybe the first emotional instinct is like, you did this, <laughs> but we both have that awareness to kind of be like, okay, I know that's not how the universe works. What's my part in this? What can I learn from this? How can we communicate better? How can I share my needs better? And so, yeah, we've grown a lot since we've been together, but he really does feel like my twin flame or my soulmate or something, including even just getting my dreams off the ground. He just happened to be able to create the website and I happened to be able to help him market his company. And so oh, we've, cool. we've really been building our lives together and it's really rewarding. When you were taking Gary Bodley's boot, you took the boot camp, right? Yes. Because I, when I took, I took the Ascension experience, but you know, it was like that really transformed my limiting beliefs or my relationship with Richard on understanding like, I mean, I, I don't know if we've had a fight, you know, and it's like, because I understand like, okay, that's him. The triggers are me. Did that help transform your relationship at all? Or were you already there? I'm never already there. You know, if there's well, something that I'm, <laughs> that I'm experiencing now, then yeah, it helped. I don't think it was the first time that I learned that, but it was also a different way of seeing it that right. helped fill a hole for me. And so, yeah, it, like I said, everything that I've immersed myself in has changed me in some way, but that one was really helpful, especially the repetitiveness of it, like coming back to it every day rather than thinking, oh, I've done this worksheet one time, it's integrated. No, sometimes you need to do it every single day, (laughs) you know, sometimes you need to come back to it after you've stopped doing it. And so just knowing that those tools are there is helpful. Right. Yeah. That really opened my eyes. And yeah, it was a a part of my little, one of my breadcrumbs that I picked up (laughs) right along the way. Do you have a vision? Or do you live with your, you know, now with your baby and your your little belly growing? Do you live in the moment and more now? Or do you really focus on a vision of where Melissa's going? Both. And I do think motherhood has put me in the present moment even more often. So I have to be more intentional about the vision. But I look at it, I always use the example of like, you know, setting your GPS destination. Yeah, you're you're driving across the country, but you can't think of the directions that are 12 steps from now. You know that the next step is a right turn. And so you spend more time in those next directions. But if you don't know where you're going, then, then those turns become more meaningless. And so, yeah, I still have to diligently put time in to see what my vision is. The difference, I think, now compared to when I first started this journey, is I thought that vision would always stay the same. And now I know, yes, that's the vision. And I'm going to keep it there on the wall or where I can see it or at the top of my mind. But I'm also open to new information as I'm in the present moment and asking myself consistently, well, is that vision still in alignment? Do I need to tweak it? Do I need to change anything about my next step? And so it's that feedback we were talking about before of trusting your own guidance and and being okay with the fact that you don't need to have it all figured out and you don't have to have it all figured out to create the bigger vision and it's okay to change it as you learn more. And so that's kind of where I play in now. Yeah, I love that. Oh, thank you. That was beautiful. And you're beautiful. And I've loved this hour with you so much. It would be in my first episode, if I could say, well, in three years from now, I'll be interviewing <laughs> Melissa Monty from Mind Lab. I'd be like, uh, Ashley, I don't think so. <laughs> So we can find, people can find you on all the podcast players. Look up Mind Love. How else? 
mindlove.com. I'm on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. And you can also sign up for the Morning Mind Love, which is just a daily email list of short pieces of inspiration to start your day right and to remind you to have that curiosity with your higher self. And you can find that right on the homepage of mindlove.com or text the word morning to 33777. Thank you so much. So grateful. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.